All right, John chapter 10 in your Bibles. John chapter 10. Um, it's so good to see you all, of course, as always. Uh, I can't believe that we're 10 chapters in. But we're going to be talking about the Lord like we normally do. I always tell people, man, you really want to learn about Jesus? Read the book of John. You learn a lot of stuff about Jesus. The book of John is 92% distinctive from the other three Gospels, meaning that there are information that is found in the book of John that you cannot find anywhere else. And so, um, huge deal, huge deal. Um, but we're talking, starting chapter 10 tonight, and we'll go ahead and pray, and then we'll dive right in it. Dear Lord, we welcome you into this place, Father. We just pray that you would just use this lesson, speak to the church the way that you spoke to me, God, and we'll give you all the honor and glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray, and we're thankful. Amen. Amen. All right, so remember the last time we were together, we, we ended John chapter 9, where he was just talking to them and saying, um, uh, you're blind, man. You're blind. You're blind, and if you were blind, then you would re- honestly really be able to see. And it was like, what does that mean? What does that mean? If you were blind, you would actually be able to see. And he was saying, because they were so puffed up, because they were so haughty, because they thought that they had all this stuff, they thought that they could see, but they couldn't. And it's because if they were actually blind, if they were actually people who did not know any better, if they were people who who just were looking for the answers, then they would have been able to finally been able to sing that sweet song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. That saved a wretch like me. But because they were uh, wicked and they loved their wickedness, their hearts were so calloused that they were not able to actually see. And so now uh, Jesus Christ kind of shifts gears and we talk about something uh, very, very um, important. So John chapter 10, look at verse 1. It says this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. So Jesus Christ, you can tell that uh, Jesus really pulls no punches. He really pulls no punches. And what we see happening with him is he talks about, okay, there's a certain way to get to God. There's a certain way to get to God. I love how Jesus, of course, we believe that Jesus Christ is God and God is Jesus and the Holy Spirit is God, which is Jesus, right? We believe in the Trinity, right? And uh, we believe that they really, they have each other's back. You know, the book of John, we'll get there in uh, just a few weeks where it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And then God says, Flip comes around and says, well, no one can come to the Son unless the Father compels him to. So they kind of got their back. No one can come to the Father but through Jesus, but no one can come to Jesus except through God. And so they have each other's back. So Jesus Christ uh, starts this off by saying, and um, I'm not sure, y'all got red-letter Bibles? Who got a red-letter Bible here? If you have a red-letter Bible, you see that most of this passage is in red. Jesus Christ is talking. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Now, church, I don't know about y'all, but I know that I'm a sheep. What if I were to tell you that everyone here, everyone down there, everyone that will, listen to, that will listen to this via podcast later is a sheep to a shepherd, but that shepherd is not always Jesus. What if I were to tell you that everyone is a sheep, but just to something? And it's up to you to decide which shepherd you're going to follow. He says, man, if you're going to come into the sheepfold, you have to come through the door. 
the, you gotta come to the front of the fence like everybody else. And the, those who are coming up trying to scale the side of the fence, those are who are trying to hop the gate, those are the same as robbers and thieves. And he kind of explains why here in a second. Look at verse 2. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So he says, okay, there is someone who enters into this door, right? And this person is the shepherd of the sheep. So what if I were to tell you that Jesus Christ has to enter through the same door that we do? The same door that we do. Why? Because we're going to see something is that he is the, sh- the shepherd. If you notice this, you look at the pen that the, sh- that the sheep are kept in. Everyone and everything comes in the same door. No matter who you are, you're going to have to come in the same door. Now, last time I checked, and I'm not a shepherd, right? Not by that connotation anyway. But the only stuff that tries to hop the gate and get in are usually not very friendly things. If things are trying to hop in through the side, they're probably going to be a wolf or some kind of animal or a mongoose or something that's, that's in there ready to, to tear stuff up. And that's why he uses the analogy, because the sheep have to go through the front door and the shepherd has to go through the front door. So everything else that's trying to get in the side is not of him. It's not of him. It's important to keep that in mind because we're going to come back to that one. The front door is used by the shepherd, but it also shows the authority of the shepherd. As the shepherd guides through that door, he brings the sheep through it. Verse 3, to him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them. So to him the porter, that word porter uh, means a gate warden, the person who keeps the door. The person who watches the door, right, to the gate, the shepherd, right? And so what you find out is that that same person is who the porter opens. So we find out that God and Jesus are really, and you're going to see that all throughout chapter 10, where God and Jesus really back each other up. And next week, we're going to talk about one of my favorite passages in the Bible, which talks about eternal security. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and I give unto them eternal life. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. My father, which gave them all, which is greater than all, which gave them me is greater than all. Um, no one can pluck them out of my hand, and I and my Father are one. So we see that Jesus Christ, of course, uh, being God, has the same authority, but God is that porter. God is, what's, check this out, God is the gate. He's not just a keeper of the gate, but he is it. I mean, the Bible says, you know, uh, and grieve not the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 4.30, whereby you were sealed unto the day of redemption. So I would argue that God is the gate warden, the Holy Spirit is that fence which keeps us sealed, and Jesus Christ is the shepherd that guides us safely in and out of that gate. We are, we are, we are cared for by all three parts of the Trinity. By all three parts. He says, the porter. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and calleth his own sheep by name. And leadeth them out. Verse 4. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And so, not only does the shepherd come and go, and he guides the sheep, but they hear his voice, and they follow. They find safety by that shepherd. They find comfort by that shepherd. Verse 5. And a stranger will they not follow. I need you to circle verse 5, underline verse 5, highlight verse 5, whatever it is that you do, memorize verse 5, mentally, cognitively, whatever you got to do, verse 5, but this, five, this verse is important. And a stranger will they not follow, 
but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Y'all know that I love my dog, so I like to work my dog into as many sermons as I can. My dog has a terrible habit that I'm really working on. It's getting her to not just fly out the front door right when I open it. Anyone have a dog that ever had that happen? Well, she'll just, door opens, oh my gosh, the door is open, run, right? And she'll run. And I can't stand it. I really can't. I hate it. Um, she, does, she does that. Now, when she's on the leash, what I, use, what I like to do with Sage, which is great, is I don't give her what she needs until she acknowledges that I'm there, right? So um, she'll have her, I'll, I'll set her food down. I'll say sit, and I'll set her food down, and I'll just stand there. And she'll stare at that food, and her tongue will be out, and she'll pant, right? But then there comes a point where she looks up to say, well, um, hey, Dad, you going to let me get the food or not? And when she makes eye contact and acknowledges that I'm the leader in this house, because you know how huskies are. Huskies and German shepherds are very, very wonderful, Brother Greg. Huskies and German shepherds are very, very stiff-necked breeds. So you have to really alpha male them. You know what I'm saying? And, of course, she has wolf in her, too. Her mom was wolf and husky, and then her dad's a lab. So she's got that really, she's got those thick genes, right? And so I have to alpha male her all the time. And so I'll set her food down, and... I'll just stand there just like this. And then she'll look at the food and then she'll look at me. And I'll make her, I'll make her lock eyes with me for a little while and then I'll let her go. Right? And then same thing happens when we're about to go out for a walk. I'll get her leash on and I'll open the front door and I'll hold her there. And if I just pull back on the leash a little bit, she'll sit. And she looks outside and takes it all in and she gets excited. Her tail's wagging. She loves wagging that thing. She's wagging that tail and then she'll look, at, she'll look up at me. And then we'll lock eyes for a second, and then I'll say go, right? And then she'll go, right? So we're, we're really working on her being obedient. But when she is off that leash, man, she's like, you can't tell me nothing, right? And she'll just run outside, and she wants to smell stuff and chase cats and all that other stuff, and it irritates me. But I'll go sage, and she'll run right back in the house. See, sage... It's not very good with strangers. When people, some, even today I was walking her and someone wanted to pet her. And so I said, you got to be really careful because she's a little skittish. Okay? So I sit her down and I said, you, you hold your hand out, let her smell you, and then you can pet her. Right? Sage will not listen to many people. She'll listen to Kalea, she'll listen to me, but she does not give two flips about anybody else. You know why? Because she hears my voice and she knows that I'm her master. Right? The way that it works for us as Christians is we have to realize that you will listen to whoever your master is. So it gets to the point. If you notice that when a shepherd, I'm not sure if you've ever seen it on TV or seen illustrations, but that shepherd does not have that whole herd of sheep on leashes. You know what I'm talking about? None of those sheep are on leashes. Those sheep know that, they're the, that that's the shepherd and they follow him. They hear his voice. And they, and they attend to what, well, what happens. That has to be the way that it works for us, right? He says, listen to me in verse 5. He says, and, and a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him. Sage will run from a stranger. So either she has those flight or fight instincts. I've seen her do it. Where someone enters into our house and our dog does not bark. She does not. But man, when someone's knocking at the door, she has this deep guttural growl like, you better think twice, boy, before you walk in this house because this is my joint. You know what I'm saying? She's very protective of her own. She's protective of me. She's protective of my wife. But she will either fight or flee, but she's not going to listen to someone that she doesn't know. 
and he says the sheep hear his voice and they will not listen to strangers. Voice, verse 6, this parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. So of course, like everything else, they don't understand what he's saying. Verse 7, then said Jesus unto them again, verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. So now he's like, man, I'm not even just a shepherd. I'm the door too. I'm the door for the sheep. Verse 8. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. So he said, before I came, all the people that were trying to imitate me or do what I was supposed to do, the sheep didn't listen to them because the sheep didn't know who they, who they were. Verse 9. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. He says, man, the freedom that you have. Because think about this. For many Christians, for some of the people in this room, definitely for the teenagers down the, down the hallway and for the little kids in a couple of doors down, they love, they, they, they hate being confined, right? They hate being confined. They, they say, mom, you just, you just, just hover over me. Or, mom, you, you just, just lord over me. Or, you, just, you, you just keep me constricted or, or I just, you, feel, you don't give me any space. But what if I were to tell you that as a child of God, those confines are the same things that set you free. It is the same boundaries that people complain about that guide your path to freedom. Because look at this. He says, I'm the door. But what do you say? Does the door stay locked all the time? Look at it. He says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go what? In and what? Go in and out. Because check this out. The sheep don't have to stay in the pen when they're with the shepherd. He says, not only am I the shepherd, but I'm the door. And then they, can, they come freely. They come freely. Someone asked me today, he said, where do, I, he said, where do you see yourself in 10 years? I said, in the ministry. He said, you really think that you'll be in church that long? Man, I've been in church 14 years already. I can handle it. Ten more. I said, people looking out from the outside looking in look at Christianity like it's just this box that's just a bunch of rules and regulations that, 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 that stifle you and make you not able to have fun in life. Y'all, I'm having the time of my life. I'm having the time of my life. And I don't got to go get drunk to do it. I don't got to go get high to do it. I don't got to go get involved in immorality to do it. I'm having the time of Child, I can't even keep up. I'm having too much fun. I'm being so serious. And there are so many Christians in this life that feel like, man, I'm just confined. I'm just constricted. And I'm like, how? It's those very same confines that set us free. Because I don't feel constricted. I don't know about you, but I don't feel constricted. I don't feel confined to a box because I know in Christ I have what's called liberation. The freedom to do what I need to do within the realm of Christ, which is all the space that I need. All the space that I need. Verse 10. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. If that wolf gets over that pen, it is not going to be fun for anybody. And church, I like to do my takeaways at the end, but it's been hard not to in, in, in this passage because so many times we don't realize that we've gone, we've been the one to, uh, to, uh, to, to, to unlatch the gate for the wolf. 
We've been the one to slide the little stool. I watched a video last night and it was a little girl and she was inside her playpen and she's sharing a room with her brother. And of course the parents have the camera on in the, in the room and so they, they can see all of what's going on and they're watching this video and the little girl, she calls her brother. She says, Levi, 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 come get me out. <laughs> and so what, is she, what does Levi do? Levi comes and he pulls up a stool and he helps her climb over that thing. She has to be like three, he's got to be five tops. Helps her get out. She wants to sleep in her bed with, the, with her brother and he, and he helps her get down and then he climbs back in to help her get her little baby out and then she, you know, kind of stuff like that. But ch- church, what we do is we're the ones sitting the stool for the devil. We're the ones sitting the stool out there for the, for the life that's trying to rob us of our joy. The, lo- the life that's trying to rob us of our peace. The, jo- the life that's trying to pull us away from Christ. What if I were to tell you that as, lo- as much as we would love to just blame Satan for all that's happening, it be your own flesh. Sometimes we set our own selves up for the kill. And we scoot that little, that little step stool. For the devil to hop in that pen. And when he gets in, he is not going to stroke your fur and tell you how pretty you are. Your lunch. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your devil, your, the, the devil as your, uh, your adversary, the devil, as a, walk, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking to him he may devour. Peter, don't you know that the devil desires to sift you as wheat? When he gets in that pen, it's a wrap. You ever heard about the fox getting in the hen house? Yeah. Ain't nothing left when he's done. It's lunchtime. And we have to, we got to be mindful. He says, listen to me. When that thief comes, the one that's not using the door, by the way, by the way, church, keep that in mind. You know what the door is. You know what's holy and what's righteous and what's a path to righteousness. You know those things. And so when stuff starts trying to back door into your life that you know is going to draw you out. Because remember, the devil cannot make you do anything. And God does not tempt man with evil. But what the Bible says is that we are drawn out by our own lust and entice. If you let him draw you out of that pen, you are lunch, my friend. You are lunch. May I remind you that sheep are defenseless? Sheep have no claws. Sheep have teeth, but nothing, nothing strong enough to do any damage with. They have, and by the way, they can't even swim because their fur is so thick. They get caught in that river, they'll drown. If a sheep gets out of that pen without the shepherd, they are lunch, folks. And so many times we're just dying to squeeze through the crevice. We're dying to let the devil in and let the, let the wolf come in and have a great time with us. And it is not going to end well for us. It's not. You have to be mindful of the stuff that's trying to backdoor into your Christian life because it is not going to do nothing but to kill and to rob and to destroy. But Jesus Christ said, no, that's not me because I'm the good shepherd. That's what he says. I'm the good shepherd. And I come not only to give life, but to give life more abundantly. That's that we get the same root of that word copious and, and, and extraordinary amounts, overflow, surplus, more than you can manage More than you can manage. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. There it is again. And the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Let me tell you something. I remember about in the book of 2 Kings. When, uh, in the book of 2 Kings. When, uh, when it's uh, Elijah versus the 450 prophets of Baal. Anyone know that story? And they said let's see which one of the gods is the real god. So they both build altars. Right? And what happens is uh, these people. Uh, the prophets of Baal. They, they're 
dancing and chanting all night and doing the stuff to try to get him down. They start cutting their wrists. They start throwing themselves on the altar. All kinds of stuff. Trying to get Baal to listen to them. And nothing happens. And then Elijah comes. He breaks the altar down. He digs a moat around the altar. He pours five, uh, what is it called? The five uh, barrels of water down in that moat. And he, he, he puts the offering on there. And he, he douses it down with water. And I mean buckets of water. It's just a, a hot mess. It's broken. It's damp. It's, and wood does not burn. It does not. It'll smoke, it'll simmer, but you're not going to get a fire from it. And they're dumping five barrels of stuff all over this thing. And they call on God and the fire comes down from heaven and it laps up the moat, the altar, the offering, the barrels, <laughs> half the people. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, it's, it's fire. I mean, he comes, it comes down. It comes down. Because here's the truth. When we call on the world, it will leave us high and dry every single time. Every time you run back to your old ways, and correct me if I'm wrong, but every time you run back to your old ways, you're going to be laced with shame and guilt and defeat and depression and sadness and anger. Because listen to me, I'm only 28 years old, but I've been around the block enough times to know that my sin will screw me over it every single time that it gets. And it's going to say, hey, Xavier, come on. Have a great time. It's fun over here. Get in the water. It's warm. right? I'm going to get in. I'm going to have a great time. We're going to lie down with the dogs. And we do it every time. And we raise up with fleas that we can't get rid of. And every time we relapse into that old life, it takes us twice as long to get back out of it. Church, I want to remind you that I'm human just like you are. And that I have to keep my prayer life on track just like you do. And my devotional life just on track just like you do. Or days will pass by and I'm like, man, I didn't read my Bible. Or days will pass by, I did not pray. And then I'll finally get to the place where I need to get myself involved in some Christian service and some Christian community. And then I don't feel like it. Why? Because my spirit has been so drained by this life that there's nothing left to give. You got to be careful about the stuff that is trying to backdoor into your Christian life. But what happens is, even though that this world will leave you high and dry, the Bible says that our God will lay down his life for the sheep. And last time I checked, he did. He laid down his life for the sheep. Verse 12. But he that is a hireling, right, uh, the hired help, and not the shepherd whose own sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. You know what I was thinking when I read that? That I am not the shepherd. Jesus is a shepherd. I am just a hireling. Because here's the truth. You know what happened when that wolf showed up with the hireling? When that wolf showed up, the hireling and the sheep were both in danger. So the hireling had two options. He said to either stay in front of that wolf or run. And that lets us know that the hired help can fail. The hired help is not the standard. This word is the standard. Our God is the standard. Jesus Christ is our standard. There is no temptation that God has, that Jesus Christ did not face himself. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4 lets us know that. That Jesus Christ was tempted just like we are yet without sin. And that's why we can boldly come before the throne of grace. 
He sees the wolf coming and he flees. Verse 13. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and he careth not for the sheep. He's here to get paid. He's here to do what he wants to do or what he thinks he's supposed to do. But he's not going to lay his life down for it. He says, verse 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and I and, and am known of mine. He says, I don't just know the sheep, but the sheep know me. And they know me well. How much does he know it? Verse 15, and the father knoweth me. Even so, I know the Father, and I laid down my life for the sheep. He says, I know God, and God knows me. But I laid my life down for those sheep. Verse 16, and other sheep have I. I love this verse. Circle this one. Verse 16. One of the most prolific verses in the, in, the, in the whole chapter. And I love the whole chapter, but this is nuts. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and they shall be of one fold and one shepherd. I'm going to come back to that. We're almost done. Verse 17. Therefore doth my father love me, because I laid down my life, that I might take it again. Amen. And no man taketh it from me, but I lay down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. If that does not tell you that Jesus loves you, I don't know what else to tell you. I don't know what else to tell you. Let me give you four takeaways, and then we'll go home. Number one. Stop trying to backdoor the faith. Stop trying to backdoor the faith. See, I thought I wasn't going to do it to you, huh? You thought the only people that try to backdoor are going to be the wolves. They do. But sometimes we try to backdoor the faith ourselves. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but in the end are the ways of death. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not on thine own understanding. Because, listen to me, the truth is we'll blow it. We will blow it. And so many times we try to backdoor the faith. Too many people are trying to live by Christ, for Christ, for their way, not his. You don't believe that happens? We take you all the way back to the book of Genesis. Where Cain and Abel both come before God to give an offering. And, and, Cain, and, and Abel comes and he does, a, he does a blood sacrifice like we're supposed to. Cain comes and he was a tiller of the ground. So he brings forth, I guess, fruit and vegetables and stuff. And God took Abel's offering and rejected Cain's. And then it says, right after that, he says, Cain, why hast thou countenance fallen? You know what the word countenance means? Someone's physical, uh, mental and physical expression. He, or got angry or whatever it was. His disposition was different. He says, don't you know that if you do right, that you'll be accepted? But if you don't, then sin lies at the door. And who would know that over, that 6,000 years later, that would still be the same case? We're still doing the same stuff, trying to offer God what we have instead of what he wants us to give. We want to start offering God the tidbits of our life instead of all of it. We want to start giving God the leftovers instead of the first plate. We love giving God what's left instead of what he deserves most, all of you. 
We got to stop backdooring the faith. We got to stop trying to just live our lives how we want to. And we and that's what happens. Then we go to God and we start praying to him, but we don't want him to give us direction. We want a stamp of approval on our life. We want him to say, hey, this is what I got. I hope you'll like it. I hope you notarize this thing. And that's not going to bring him glory at all. And then what happens? You go all prodigal, right? And you go out and you get in the world and the world's going to beat you back up and then you're going to find yourself crawling back with your tail between your legs like we all do when we get drawn out by our own lust and enticed and we get in there and then you notice the prodigal son, he goes out and he, he spends all of his inheritance and then what happens? As soon as it's done, bam, the famine happens and he's eating pig's food. And then he says, well, let me go ahead and go back to my dad's house. Hopefully I can be a servant in his house and eat the crumbs off of his table. Don't we get tired of living prodigal lives? Because here's what's going to happen. One day you're going to get home and you won't make it. One day you're going to come home and dad's going to move. One day you're going to get home and he's going to say, you know what? You can go ahead and be a servant. That's all you'll get. You never know. We keep playing Russian roulette with the Christian life, hoping that we'll just be able to just return back to how it always is. And we really have to stop back door in the faith. Stop trying to do it our own way. We want the Bible to say everything except what it actually says. You don't think I know that the Christian life is hard? Scratch that. You don't think God knows the Christian life is hard? But what did he tell us? He said, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. The reason why it's heavy, check this out, was because you're not supposed to be the one carrying it. It's too heavy for you on purpose. But no, we're stiff-necked and we want to just do it the way that we want to do. And finally, when it's too hard for us to move, then we want to ask God. We got to stop backdooring that thing when you can freely walk with the shepherd. I don't get it. But then I do. How we would rather walk in darkness than to have our little light of mind shine and light our path. But you know why it doesn't shock me at the same time? Because the Bible says this, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. It just so happens you're going to stub your toe while you're there. It just so happens you're going to get smacked by a tree branch. It just so happens you're going to walk in a pothole. It just so happens you're going to trip and fall. Because that little light, although it's a light into your path and right into your feet, it's going to keep you walking on the straight and narrow. And it's a step-by-step process. Someone said, this, someone said this to me this week. They said, man, I just don't see a future for myself. And I said, here's the problem. Or here's the truth. None of us do. How do you achieve your future? One day at a time. One step at a time. Of course you can't see the future. It's on purpose. Of course it's dark. It's on purpose. But you have a little light that guides you every single day. And that's what you'll use to navigate through this world. You may be slower. It may not be as rapid as you would like it to be. And it may cost you some time and some patience. But you'll get there. And properly with minimal scars, with minimal damage, with minimal consequences. Rather than trying to rush through the dark. And here's the truth. You end up getting there late anyway. We got to stop back during the faith. Number two, be wary of following the wrong shepherd. Be wary of following the wrong shepherd. What did he say? He says, man, I was whoever came before me. The sheep did not follow because they did not know his voice. Verse five, and a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him. For they know not the voice of the strangers. Who are the strangers in your life that are trying to drag you away from God? Stranger danger. You ever heard of that? 
We teach our kids that. Stranger danger, stranger danger. You don't talk to strangers. You don't hang out with strangers. You don't get in their car. You don't do any of that stuff. And we're hypocrites because we do it all the time. We do it all the time. Lie in bed with the strangers. We got to get to a place where we start realizing that it's insanity to try to do the same thing all the time and expect something different. When are you going to get tired of repeating the same cycle over and over and over again? And we do the same thing. We see the shepherd, we see the good shepherd, and we see, oh, the more fun shepherd or the more popular shepherd or the more bedazzled shepherd. And that's the shepherd that we want to follow. And that shepherd leaves us long and gone all the time. Because you are a sheep to someone, to something. We got to be careful. It's Wednesday. Have you been following the right shepherd this week? Hmm? Have you been following the right shepherd this week? Do you know whose voice you're listening to? Some people tell me, Pastor, how do I hear the voice of God? And I say, man, bless your heart. <laughs> bless your heart because you're going to be in a really, you're going you're to find yourself in some rough places for a little while. As you try to figure out whose voice is which and following the wrong stuff, you're going to fall in a lot of potholes. So many Christians get, follow, get caught up following the wrong shepherd. We follow money and pleasure and relationships and we try to get all kinds of stuff to fill our void. Jesus Christ said, man, you drink from broken cisterns. You drink from vases and, and, and bowls that, that, that are broken. They have cracks and you're going to get tetanus because they're rusty and all those different stuff. He says, man, when, I, when you drink from me, number one, it's living water so you'll never thirst again. But these are holes. There are no, this, is, this is hole. There are no holes in it. There's no cracks. There's no rust. It's a polished, gorgeous vase that I'm giving you living water from. That vessel that I'm giving it to you from is me. But for many of us, we change our names from Xavier to Demas. Remember what Paul said when he wrote in Thessalonians about Demas? Demas was with me, but Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. We read in Hosea about Hosea and, and uh, what's his name? Gomer. Well, the whole book is him just chasing his wife because she keeps going off and sleeping with other men and having kids with them. And if you really think that that's about a man and his wife and adultery, you're really missing the point. Because that's us all the time. The bride of Christ running to other masters all the time, running to other husbands all the time, running to other leaders all the time, running away from what God has instituted us. And that's the same thing that caused Eve to get us in this place that we are right today. And instead of learning our lesson, we still do the same stuff over and over and over again. Today I was listening to a, pod, a podcast on addiction. And he said this to me, and it was profound to me. He said, nobody whether it be drugs or alcohol or pornography, whatever it may be. He says, no one actually is an addict. And I said, man, what? He said, no one is an addict. He said, just the stakes aren't high enough for you to stop. And man, that broke my heart. He gave some examples. He said, man, if I were to give you, put this, you know, this, you know, insert addiction here in front of you and said, if you give into this, then I will not give you a million dollars. But if you can stand here for X amount of time and not give into that temptation, I will give you the million dollars. 
And I don't care what kind of stuff it is that you're messing with. You could probably hold yourself for a little while to get you some money. Right? The stakes were high enough. Or if, if he gave the analogy, he said, man, I'm going to put this, you know, this drug right here in front of you. And I'm going to hold this person you love hostage. And if you take that drug, I'm going to slit her throat. What are you going to do? Because your loved one is in danger, you probably won't do it. See, he says, our problem is not addiction. Our problem is a lack of self-control. And we don't, and I was like, man, that hits heavy because that covers a multitude of stuff. You don't have to, you don't, you don't even have to get as far as addiction goes. It's just doing right. The reason why we hurt God, let me, I'm telling you the truth. You ready for this? The reason why we find ourselves hurting God over and over and over again is because hurting God is not a big enough consequence for us. Hurting God is not a big enough consequence for us. That stakes aren't high enough. Sure, we'll be sad for a little while and we may struggle with some guilt for half a day. But tomorrow we're going to wake up and what are we going to do? Get right back in bed with the same stuff that caused us to hurt God the day before. And it doesn't even have to get all the way to addiction. It can just be just, the Bible says to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So it can just be us being addicted to just not doing what we're supposed to. And although that hurts God and it breaks his heart, we'll feel bad. But what do we feel bad for? Do we feel bad because we actually have this weird looming guilt hanging over us? Or do we feel bad because we actually hurt God? Remember, remember what David said? After he slept with Bathsheba and his, the death of Uriah and the death of his firstborn son and all that stuff was happening. He said one thing in Psalm 51 that completely just was wow to me. He said, Lord, against thee and thee only have I sinned. Not Uriah, not that baby, not Bathsheba. He said, Lord, against thee and thee only have I sinned. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. We got to get to the point in our lives where we start following the right shepherd, but for the right reasons. I don't want you coming to church because you're afraid I'm going to call you and ask where you're at. I don't want you coming to church because you've been going, doing the, ch- the Christian thing for 30 years and that's what you're supposed to do. I want you to be doing what you're supposed to be doing, living a, a holy and a, a righteous, a victorious Christian life. Be doing it. Why? Because you want to see the Lord pleased with you. And that's why you spend time in devotion. You spend time in prayer. You spend time in the word. You spend time with Christian people. And you don't forsake the assembling and all of these other things. You do all this stuff not because you want to follow a set of rules. Forget the rules. It's pursuing a holy and righteous life that Christ will be proud of. You got to ask yourself, is Christ a high enough consequence for us? Is he a high enough consequence for us? I think about the Bible talks about that story about the virgins, the ten virgins and the, and, and the lamps. You know that story? And they get invited to a wedding and they, they go out there and they bring their lanterns and they're ready for the wedding but some of the people, their oil runs out so they're like, man, we got to go and get some more. Wait on us. And they leave and that's how it always works, y'all. You got to listen to me. Read your Bible because it's going to show you how this life works, man. As soon as they leave, what happens? Who knows? The bridegroom came. And those virgins that were prepared went in with the bridegroom, went into the party, went into the wedding. And the door closed. And right when that door closed, what happened? Those virgins came right back. And they couldn't get in. 
I am so deathly afraid that Christ will come back to this earth and catch me slipping. Catch me with my oil not ready. Is Christ a high enough consequence for you? Number three, remember that Christ gave his life for the sheep. As you go out there and you get mixed up with all the wrong shepherds, remember the one that actually cares about you. Remember the one that would actually leave the 99. Remember the one who was not the hireling, who's not going to just ditch and abandon it and just uh, and let the sheep just fend for themselves against the wolves. You remember what, anybody remember what, Def, what David was doing before he was a king? Who remembers what David's occupation was? He was a shepherd. Did anyone know? Did you know that Goliath was not the first thing he killed? Did you know that? If you read your Bible, the Bible talks about how David fought off a lion. And he fought off a bear. And that's what he told, that's what he told Goliath. He says, man, he had a hat like mine, y'all. And he just... <laughs> little David standing up against nine and a half foot Goliath. A spear with the head being over 160 pounds. A shield big enough to be a doorway. Just a massive behemoth of a man. He says, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. He says, before this, he says, you don't know it. But I fought for the sheep. And there was a day where the, when, a, when a, a bear came and I fought and I killed that bear. And there was a day where a lion came and I fought and killed that lion. And there were wolves that came and I fought and killed those wolves because I stood for the sheep. And those animals had to get through me. And again, you're going to have to get through me. And that was, his, that was one of his famous words before uh, Goliath says, man, am I, he says this, am I a dog that you give me the stick? That's what he says. Am I a dog? And that's right before he caught a stone right to the forehead fell flat on his face because this life when you need it is going to get up and leave you to fend for yourself against the wolf but Christ says man when I'm here I'm not letting it hurt you I'm not letting them hurt you he says this in the Bible, just in this passage. He says, man, I not only died, but I will lay down my life again. He says, I have the power to lay it down and take it up again. He says, and I will do it again. I will do it again for you. We always heard, man, I would take a bullet for my mama. You ever heard that phrase before or something like it? Christ didn't just take a bullet for you. He was spat on and his beard was ripped for his, from his face and he was nailed to a cross. And he suffered asphyxiation and gave up the ghost for you. He said, I will go through all that horror. Listen to me. He said, this is Jesus Christ who stepped out of eternity, church. He stepped out of eternity to be separated from God for the first time in an eternity. Where God turned his back and for the first time in his life, he was alone and he died alone. He said, I will go through all of that stuff again. You. Number four and lastly, I said number one, stop trying to backdoor the faith. Number two, be wary of following the wrong shepherd. Number three, Christ gave his life for the sheep. And number four, God wants the sheep from other pastures. God wants the sheep from other pastures. Verse 16, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also must I bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. He always cared for the sheep. He says, there are sheep out there that are not mine, but I want them to be. 
Which is why when we meet together on November 16th to go out and go find those homeless people, we're gonna give them some, we're gonna give them some food and some toiletries and some clothes, but we're also gonna give them the gospel. Because it's more, I'd rather them be spiritually close than physically. I'm just glad we get to do both. Amen. Are souls important to you? I got asked this one more time and I'm done. I got asked this one time where I was witnessing to someone who was of another, another faith. And someone said to me, how rude do you have to be to not respect someone else's wishes in believing something different than you? I said, man, you got it all wrong. Do I proselytize, which is what that means, being able to reach over across someone else's boundaries to pull them into your belief system? I said, do I proselytize? Absolutely. Will I stop doing it? No. He said, why would you do that? I said, because if I believe I had the keys to the kingdom, it would be evil of me to withhold those from someone else. You think I'm doing this because I'm being disrespectful. I'm doing it because I love you. And their whole expression changed. Did they get saved that day? No, but I got to plant an honest seed. They could be saved today for all I know. I don't know. But I did my job, which is to plant the seed, which is to compel them to come into his house. But I, I did my job. Paul planted Apollo's water, but God gave the increase. We, as the hirelings in the story, the hired help, we're not the shepherd, and we're prone to run when the wolves come. But we, that, that hireling still had a, a task in caring for those sheep. Just like we have to care for each other. It's not just about what goes on here in Orlando Baptist Temple or via listening to the podcast later in your church, but all that's going on out there. Pine Hills has thousands of people who know nothing about Jesus. And that's why it's our job to go out and get it done. I just want to be more like Christ. I hope that you do too. Let's pray.